Hey, this is Billy Claudio. I'm the pastor of Oasis Community Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith, and I hope you find freedom today through the gospel. Enjoy the message. so loving the heat of Arizona at this point in life. Thank you. Thank you. You liars. <laughs> liars, liars, liars. I'm going to roll up my sleeves because it's hot. Is that okay? Whew, I'm sweating from that worship. All right, here we go. We are uh, start finishing and concluding or moving on in our series, Savage. But before we do that, I want to bring note to something. How many of you drove in and noticed that we have scorched earth all around our campus with no bushes? You notice that? That's because I'm tired of cutting them. No, I'm just kidding. What it is is uh, we've had somebody in our congregation who um, generously uh, has decided that they wanted to offer a re-landscaping completely of our whole campus, new lighting, new plumbing, new everything, so that our presence to our community is that much nicer. So the whole front, all this is being redone, so excuse our mess. Um, but they are completely taking care of the funding behind it and just decided that they wanted to give a gift of service, an act of worship to God, and create a beautiful space and truly create an oasis for the community. And so I'm so thankful. So pardon our, dis- our mess. Also, many of you know that we, last year, were talking about our field renovations. And I just want to give a quick update since we talked about that a little bit. Um, you know how hard it is to find people to show up to work? No. <laughs> So we are still in the bidding process. We've had to revise our bids due to this word called inflation. Um, Things are a little bit more expensive than we thought, and so we're just kind of looking at how we phase things right now, and we're still in the process. So I want to assure you, we are moving forward in our field renovations to get rid of our grass, to make it more of a park field, more usable for our our church body, our community, our young adults, our students, Um, and we're just in that phasing process right now. And uh, if you want to phase with me, let's do it. So it's a big job, and uh, we have a couple contractors that we're getting bids from, and praise God, pray for that, because um, I'm hoping it happens in my lifetime. So (laughs) that's true. I think Billy's hoping it happens in my lifetime, too. Um, Well, good morning, everybody. We are going to jump into a story today that I know everybody is familiar with. I know some of you have probably had it on your kid's wall above your crib of your children, and it is the, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Now, if I were to ask you this question this morning, a simple question, how many of you are preppers? Anybody a prepper in here? Like you stored water, you've got some extra ammo, maybe you're a little crazy prepper like that, but that's okay. That's all right. Maybe you got some extra food. Anybody a prepper? Like, I want to be a prepper. I love the idea of prepping. I'm a terrible prepper. However, I have my bob already set. You know what that means? Anybody know what a bob is? My bug out bag. I'm ready to bug out of here at the first sign of an apocalypse, zombies coming through my door, whatever may happen, I am ready to go. Y2K has got nothing on me anymore. (laughs) Check it out. I built my own trailer. Show the picture. Trace, you got it? I built my own trailer, custom made by myself and my dad and my cousin. We, uh, we made this, and it's ready to go. It only fits two people, so I'm not taking my kids. 
That's the truth. I'm not taking my kids. It only depends if I like them that day. And right now, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love you guys. He's sitting. They're all mad at me already. That's all right. I'll be in the doghouse all week. My buddy, I like the idea of prepping. In case of an emergency, doomsday, zombie apocalypse, I'm going to pack in my wife. We're heading out of town. Preppers. I like preppers. All right, don't be embarrassed. If you're a prepper, raise your hand. I love it. Y'all crazy. Woo. Actually, the guy we're going to talk about today in Scripture was the first prepper. Literally. He established this idea of prepping. So we're going to talk about a guy. And raise your hand if you're a prepper because I got something special for you today. All right, Skip, here you go, man. Everybody, this is Skip. It's his first time. And he comes to church and we put him on the spot. Skip, if you didn't know, Noah was a prepper. There you go. How many else? Who else? Come on, give me another prepper. All right, Ty is your name, right? First time here? You come to church, you get a prepper shirt, baby. Noah was a prepper. Thank you. All right, anybody else? All right, come on, we got you back there. Here you go. What's your name? Keith. Keith? Prepper, baby. Re wear that and remember today. Please do that for me. Noah was a prepper. We're going to talk about the story of Noah. And I know that many of you, how many of you put that little mobile above your kid's crib? Or maybe on the wall of the animals going in the ark, the kangaroo, the hippopotamus, two by two? No wonder your kids are screwed up. Because that's not a cute story. We're going to find out this morning that that is a complete crazy story. It's a story of death and destruction, not animals two by two. Although they did go two by two. But it's a story of destruction. I recently googled what it was like to be a doomsday survivor. Because I wonder if Noah practiced these things. And here's what it said. It said the first thing you need to do to be a doomsday survivor, because Noah was a doomsdayer, correct? He, matter of fact, he went around talking to people about doomsday. It says this, WikiHow says this, the first thing you need to do is prepare. Noah was a prepper. The second thing you know I need to know how to do is use a gun. I don't think Noah got that one. And learn Brazilian jiu-jitsu. No other type of jiu-jitsu is going to save you but Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Practice your escape in the dark. Get a bulletproof vest. Get a gas mask. I think Noah probably had that on the ark with all the animals. A bunker, he had that. And last, but most interesting, WikiHow says this, if you're going to survive a doomsday, end of the world type of situation, you got to grab some books about math, science, literature, the Chicago Cubs, and a Bible. That's true. Doomsday. I know you're thinking this is crazy. Where are we going with this? I got you. It's going to get real crazy in here in a second. But truthfully, Noah was a savage person. That's the theme, right? Savage. People in the Bible who were savage for God. Noah was a savage, savage individual. So we're going to look at this this morning. All the Bible stories, if you took a survey, and they did recently, they took a survey of what people knew about the Bible. Noah's Ark was the number one thing people remembered. Noah's Ark. And I'm sure they remembered the, the beauty of all the animals and the bird going out, coming back with the little twigs, and, and the rainbow, which was stolen, which we're going to reclaim today. That's what I'm saying right there. It's God's promise. That's what it is. It's God's promise. 
No matter what people believe, it's a position of God. I was driving a couple yesterday with my son. We were going out to dinner, and all of a sudden I looked up and I saw a rainbow, and we had this discussion about what is the rainbow, and I'm not, obviously he knows the Bible and he knows the story. And he said, how did that get mistaken? And I said, people want God's promise over their lives even when they don't have it. And so we're going to receive God's promise upon our lives today. So here we go. Open your Bibles, if you have one, to Hebrews chapter 7. Open your phone. You got something. You know it. I know it. Let's do it. Hebrews chapter 7. If you don't have it, we're going to put it on the screen right here. Hebrews chapter 7. Verse, or Hebrews 11, verse 7. I threw a curveball, see if you're paying attention. It says this. It says, Faith in Action is the name of the title, chapter. And it says this, by faith, now we're going to stop right there. That's as far as we're getting this morning. The first thing we have to understand is the characteristic that describes Noah is what? Faith. Faith. And we're going to talk about what his savage faith looked like. By faith, Noah. Now, what is faith? Faith is having the belief in things unseen. That's what faith is. We're going to understand a little bit more about that later as we get into more of Noah's life. I promise you that. Hebrews 11.7. By faith, Noah was warned about things not yet seen. In holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Watch this. This is going to be crazy. By faith, by his faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that is keeping with faith. You see, we're introduced to Noah in this illustration out of Hebrews about the people who were a hall of fame of faith. But in Genesis 6, chapter 9 is where we're actually going to spend the most of our time. So flip back over to Genesis 6, chapter 9. Or Genesis 6, verse 9. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among his time, and he walked faithfully with God. That's it. That's all we need to know about Noah. He was a blameless man. He was a righteous man, and he walked with God. Now, it's interesting to me about Noah something very, very interesting. To walk with God doesn't mean to physically walk present with him. It means that you align your life to God's commands. That's what it means to walk with God. It means that you, you, you listen to him, and obviously Noah was listening to him. He was on the same page with God. Walking with God means you base all your decisions not based upon how you feel, but based upon what God has said. That's what it means to have a relationship with God. And it's interesting because in this time, you're going to see, and we're going to go back in the chapter, chapter 6, verse 5 through 8, you're going to see what the culture was like and how difficult it was for Noah to be a righteous man and a blameless man. Righteous means right standing with God. Blameless means he had integrity with others. That's what it means. So we're going to jump back into chapter 6, verse 5. It says this, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of all human race had become on earth, and every inclination of thoughts of the human heart was evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made humans on earth, and his heart, verse 6, was deeply grieved. That's a scary passage. Like, that's not a cute little mobile over your kid's bed passage. The Lord regretted. Let me ask you today this simple question as we get going here. We're going we're gonna to get real fast here because we've got a lot to cover. But let me ask you this question today. What does the Lord regret about your life right now? What grieves his heart? You see, because the people were living in a way that made the Lord grieve. And it makes me have to ask the question of myself this morning. What is out of alignment with God that grieves the heart of God? 
That's a difficult question to answer. It's a difficult question to ask. Listen, because whatever that is, it's like the other people who are not in the ark. It's destroying your life, and it's destroying my life. That's what happened, and that's why he condemned the world. You see, the people had conformed to the world. Matter of fact, it says in Romans 12, too, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is good and acceptable, the perfect, pleasing will of God. All right, here we go. I'm going to get, I'm sure, an email or two about this message. With positive encouragement, Caleb. <laughs> Can we be honest this morning? The church is starting to look more like the world than it is the word. We as Christians, me as a Christian, sometimes looks more like the world than it does the word. And honestly, if we, if we stay in that position, you see what's going to happen is we are conforming to the patterns of this world. And that grieves the heart of God. That's the simple thing. You see, it was not based upon truth anymore, what happened in Noah's day. It was based upon how they feel. Anybody relate to that one? It doesn't matter what truth is anymore. It just matters how it makes me feel. You see, some of us base our decisions not based upon God's word, but based upon how we feel, yeah? Anybody? Me? Okay, hey, no, I said me and you said yes. That's not good. <laughs> you see, sin was tolerated instead of despised in Noah's day. That's what it means to conform to this world. Might I actually go on a little bit of a, a, a limb here to say this today? Maybe sin is tolerated more than despised today. That's what grieves the heart of God, family. When our lives align more with sin than it does with the word, it grieves the heart of God. Why? Not because he, 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 he wants to restrict us, but because he knows if we live in according to his word, there is freedom and life to its fullest. Chapter John says that way. I come to give you life and life to its fullest. That's what it means to align with God. That's what it means not to be conformed to this world. And truthfully, there are some areas in your life that you know, this is where I'm going to get the email, I know it, that you know today as you sit here are more conformed to this world than they are to God's ways. And here's the crazy part. It doesn't even bother you anymore. That's what grieves God's heart. It's not the action. We're going to see Noah screw up. right? We're going to get to that chapter of the part of the verse where he screws up a little bit. But it's not the screw up that bothers God. It's the fact that we don't care anymore. That's what bothers God's heart. So let me ask you again this morning, what grieves God's heart in your life? Verse 7, it says this. It says, So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air. Creeping things we're cool with. We can get rid of them. For I am sorry I have made them. Cute bedtime story to tell your kids at night, right? With a little mobile spin. And God's sorry he made you. God's sorry he made you. <laughs> Verse 8. This is, the, this is where it gets good, guys. I promise you, there's a, good, there's, a, there's, a, there's a silver rainbow lining at the end of this. But, verse 8, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was walking with God, and Noah knew he, and there was no exception. He wasn't conforming. He wasn't walking with the culture. He was walking with God, and because he was walking with God, he was different. And Noah saw there was a difference in his life than what was happening in the culture. 
He said the whole world had become wicked, but Noah was the odd man out. Anybody ever feel like an odd man out in your situation? Anybody had to ever stand up for your faith in a situation, in a relationship, or at work, or at school, or in any kind of conversation with your family members, and you felt like the odd man out? Right? That's what was Noah. He was the odd man out. He was the one who was the weird one because he wasn't conforming to the culture. That's what Noah was doing. Noah walked with God. He saw himself trying to please the God, not the culture. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. That's my hope. I hope that at the end of the day, somebody will say to me, man, that guy loved to please God. That's it. He walked to please God. Matter of fact, Noah wrote a song that the BG stole later on in life. He did. He said this. I, I'll sing it for you. If you don't know, I mean, the Bee Gees changed the lyrics a little bit, but it originated with Noah. And he said this. He said, you can tell by the way I use my walk. I'm a God's man. No time to talk. Staying alive. Staying alive. Ha, ha, ha. Come on now. Come on. Give me the chorus. Come on now. Staying alive. Because that's what Noah did because he walked with God. Think about this for a second. We laugh and joke a little bit about it, but, but he was crazy enough to walk so closely knit to God that it didn't matter what ridicule came his way. And believe me, you're going to see some crazy ridicule come. Oh, I love the Bee Gees. Matter of fact, side note. <laughs> my wife knows this. That will be the last song that's written in my will that will be played at my funeral. Because I will be staying alive, baby. Noah was about to get a whole lot of crazy as he becomes the first prepper. And so let's let the crazy begin. Here we go. Genesis chapter 6, verse 13 through 14. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them from the earth. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. Go for it, Noah. Go for it. Gopher wood. And make room in the ark and cover it inside with pitch. Now, let's a little bit, little bit of understanding of Noah. Noah was an old dude at this time. Now, people ask, how does, and my son and I had this conversation, how are people so old back in the Bible, like, you know, 600 years old, Methuselah is older than that, right, the oldest guy in the Bible. How are people so old? And that's because it was before the recreation of the earth past the flood. So God had already had a covenant that he was going to extend man's days. So Noah's an old dude at this time. Now, you think about this. He gets this message from God that says, build an ark. First of all, it was not Noah's idea. Second of all, it was not raining when Noah got this message. Let me just tell you this right now. Practice your faith before the storm starts. Right? That's a good line for us to remember this morning. So it wasn't raining yet. So Noah's starting, he, he's, he's about 120 miles from any water. That's like building a cruise ship in Scottsdale. People drive by and be like, oh, huh. Are they going to have masks on that cruise ship? So he's building a, he's building a cruise ship in Scottsdale. That's not the worst part about it. You know, he's getting people driving by on their donkey, man. That guy's crazy. Check him out. And he's like, yeah, I am crazy. So he's building it. Now, it took him roughly between 80 to 120 years. There's some discrepancy in that in the scripture and in, theolog in theologians' conversation. But it took him about 80, between 80 to 120 years. Depends on the age of his children and all this. We're not going to get into that part of it. So for 80 years, this guy's doing something and people are walking by. Now, so 120 miles, 120, 120 miles away from any body of water. Here's what's going to blow your mind. God said it's going to send a flood. Up until this point, there has never been a single raindrop. 
Now, how does that make sense? Well, it says, if you look in Genesis, earlier in the chapter, that the ground was watered from the bottom up. So here's Noah. This is how crazy Noah is. He's going around telling people it's going to rain, and people are like, rain? What's rain? Kind of like what we say here. (laughs) He's going around saying, what's rain? What's rain? What's rain? And then he says, well, God's going to rain so much that it's going to flood the earth, and they're like, man, you are crazy. He's like, no, I'm a prepper. I might be a little crazy, but I'm a prepper. You see, that's the type of crazy faith that Noah had. It didn't matter if he didn't know what the outcome was. He was going to be faithful until the outcome came. See, that's a good lesson for us right there. Some of us want the outcome before we'll be faithful. But that's not what what, what God says to Noah. Noah continues on. You see, the ark was not his idea. Noah walked with God, and because Noah walked with God and trusted God, let me tell you this, Noah trusted God not out of obedience, but out of faith, and faith led his obedience. He was obedient to build an ark because he knew the architect. Get it? Ark, architect? You can take that one for free. (laughs) Obedience doesn't lead to faith, but faith leads to obedience. Let me say that again, because I want you to understand this. Obedience does not lead to faith, but faith leads to obedience. If you have faith in something, you will obey whatever it takes to get to there. You'll have faith in that. We get this messed up, remember? Faith is believing in things unseen. We demand God. What we do is we demand God to show us, and then I will obey. Show us, and then I will believe. Prove to me, and then I will be faith-filled. But that's not how it works. You see, what I must do is I must dismiss the voices of doubt in favor of the voice of God. Having faith leads to obedience even when I don't know what the details are. Anybody have a problem in their lives that you don't know what the details are yet? (laughs) I do. Some of you are in a storm right now and the, the waters are rising. It's been raining for a while, and the waters are rising, and life is tough. And you're wondering if God is doing anything. Is he listening? He, he, he hasn't given you all the information, so you're not starting to distrust him. You're not understanding what he wants you to do in your life, and so you're starting to waver in your faith. And because your faith is wavering, guess what wavers once your faith wavers? Your obedience. But obedience to do what he said, because one day God will show up and he'll show you how. Verse 14 says this, Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the dark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. Now I love the word pitch. The word pitch in Hebrew is actually the word for atonement. And this idea of atonement, it means to cover in reparation. To provide reparation for something. That's what the word atonement means. Nothing different than what Jesus did for us on the cross when he atoned, or he was reparation for our sin. He covered us for our sin. See, this is a foreshadow of Jesus in some way. He was reparation. Verse 15. This is how you should build the ark. The ark should be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, 30 cubits high. Make for it a roof. No kidding, it's going to rain. Leaving below the roof an opening of one cubit high, one put a door on the one side of the ark, make lower, detail after detail after detail. I'm going to bring floodwaters to the earth and destroy all living things under heaven. Every creature has breath of life in it. Everything on the earth will perish. Those same words are said again in, in the book of Revelation. 
You see, this is, this is not just a story, a cute story of animals coming in two by two, creating a new world and all that stuff. This is the story of God's justice in the midst of disobedience. No different than what's going to happen one day when Jesus comes back. And it, what does it say in the book of Revelation? He said he is faithful and just. I love the detail here. Verse 18. But I, now here we go. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. Now, when I read this verse, and if I actually look at the context of this verse, it actually scares me a little bit. Because what I understand is this God's covenant was with who? Was not with his family. So, men, we're going to have a little conversation. Women, you can tune out. Do, your, do, do whatever women do when they're not listening. <laughs> Tune out for a little bit. I give you permission because I want to speak to men this morning. By the way, men's retreat coming up. I'm excited about that. We've got about 300 men so far signed up. Men, women, if your man's sleeping right now, just give him an elbow because I want him to hear this. God established a covenant with Noah, not his family. And because of the covenant with Noah, the rest of his family was saved. You see, what I'm understanding is the job of a man is to save his family. Noah's faithfulness saved his family. If Noah did not walk with God, guess where his family would have ended up? Cute bedtime story, right? If Noah wasn't faithful, his family would have died. Some of us men are defaulting to our wives to lead our family spiritually. We're letting culture, we're letting internet, we're letting education system, we're letting other things lead our family. And honestly, if your wife has to drag you to church, you're not leading your family. And death and destruction is going to be upon your family. I'm just telling you the truth because that's where it comes out of scripture. Hard message, I know. If your kids ask you a question about God and you're like, I don't know, go ask your mom. Let me just tell you this, you're not leading your family. The passage never says his family walked with God. It said Noah walked with God. And because Noah had been the established leader of his home, because he walked with God, God had mercy on his family. Listen, men, I'm speaking to you men specifically. It is time for you to lead your family to God. Because your family needs saving. Even though if they know Jesus, there's areas of their lives that are not reconciled to God and because they're walking out of alignment, and so are you. And listen, some of you men say, well, I never hear from God, and let me just say it this way, probably because you're not walking close enough to listen. Let me tell you how it works in my life, because that's, that's a pretty poignant statement, and I, I, you can feel condemned. I don't want you to feel condemned. I'm going to share how it works in my failure. Years ago, um, we were a growing family. Uh, we lived in a small house, about a thousand square feet. Uh, I have three children who are all here today. Um, and my son was sharing a room with my youngest daughter. My teen they were all growing up teenagers. And, and we were just outgrowing our home. And so my wife had started praying that God would lead us to a new home. Okay? She'd been praying for a couple years, maybe two, one, one or two years. Praying, praying, praying. And, and I'll never forget this conversation. We were sitting down one day, and she was kind of weeping a little bit, and she said, I, I quit. I'm not praying about this anymore. I'm not praying that God will open up a door to provide for my desires. That's what, that's what her words. And no offense to her, I don't blame her. I think that was a true heart's intentment right there. I think that was the reality and the transparency of her frustration with God. Anybody get frustrated with God every now and then? 
And so she was frustrated, and out of her frustration, these words came out of her mouth, and, and I'm so thankful for her honesty. Because I think you have to have a close relationship with God to be honest with him. And her honesty said this. It said, God doesn't really care about what I think anymore. He doesn't care about my desires. He doesn't care about what I'm praying for. And it was at that moment, I sat back and I realized it's not my wife's problem. This is my fault as a man. That was the reality check. It was like God had ripped out my heart, placed it on a table, and said, we're going to do some work on your heart as the leader of this family that I've called and appointed as the leader of this family. We're going to do some work on this because it's not your wife's problem. It's your problem that I haven't come through because your faith hasn't led your family's faith. That's the truth. And to hear the words of my wife say, I am done praying about this, brought me to tears. Internally, externally, all these things because I realized I had um, given up what God had called me to do because I'd conformed to the culture. So, that day, I made a commitment. It's a true story, guys. I, I, I kid you not. That day, I made a commitment. She stopped praying. I started praying. I didn't pray that God would give me a giant house or anything like that. What I prayed is that God would, would, would meet my wife's desires. You see, men, we're called to pray our wife's desires. That's what it means to lead. It doesn't mean you just tell them what to do. It means you lead them to where to go. And some of us as men need to start leading our wives in prayer. Leading them through what their desires are. And so I started praying. I said, if she's going to stop, I'm going to start because I want my family to know that I'm a man of faith and I want to start leading my family this way. I want them to know that I've become spirit-filled and faith-filled. And so I started praying. And my faith was going to give to action. And my action was I'm going to be prayerful. 45 days later, after two years of my wife praying, not that her prayers aren't answered, but 45 days later, when I came into alignment as the leader of the person like God has said, I established my covenant with you, which he's given me the covenant of leadership over my family. When I started to establish that in my family, 45 days later, we opened the door to a new house. Two years of prayer. God doesn't move. 45 days of prayer. We walk in. And I say that not because, uh, you know, great am I or anything like that. It's because I, as the leader of my covenant, was not living up to my end of the covenant. So let me tell you, men, it's time to start walking. God moves when your faith is activated through your obedience. Some of us are living in disobedience and wonder why God never works, yeah? Verse 19. And every living thing of all flesh, of all flesh, will be brought two by two and sorted into the ark to keep them alive with you. That was probably a pretty difficult job. They shall be male and female. For the sake of time, we're going to skip some of those details. We're going to go to verse 22. This is the best part. I'm going to wrap it up through here. Noah did everything just as God had commanded him. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. For 120 years, Noah got up every day and chopped wood, not knowing if it ever plop, 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 it was ever going to rain. For 120 years, Noah got up every day and started hammering after ridicule, after ridicule. He looked at and said, I don't care what you guys say. I'm going to do that which God has commanded me because I've walked with God. For 120 years, chops trees day after day, ridicule after ridicule, doubt after doubt. 120 years walking with God. 120 years of not seeing that which God has said is going to happen. 120 years, every swing of the axe, faith, every nail pounded obedience, in spite of culture, in spite of doubt, in spite of growing weary, in spite of not hearing more details of how it's going to work out, Noah got up every day out of faith, 
and obedient. Let me ask you this. How long has your problem been going on in your life? 120 years, this dude gets up every day and goes and is faithful. Now, it cost him. It cost him friends. It cost him finances. You see, the ark was a football field and a half long. Where do you think he came up with the money for that? He had to do a little bit of double time work. I don't think they had social security at that point. So how are you getting up? Every day, how are you getting up? Noah was like, I'm going to whistle while I work because I'm going to praise my God because he said to do this, and I'm walking with God. Matter of fact, let's forget whistle. He's going to worship while he works. Some of you are worrying while you try to work it out instead of worshiping and letting God work it out. Remember, the ark wasn't his idea. It was not how he planned his life, and I'm sure there's days that he doubted deeply. Man, i got to go do this again. It's not raining yet. But his now doubt never detoured his faith because he walked with God. Listen, some of you, your doubt is deterring your faith, and because it's deterring your faith, your obedience is gone. You question if God knows best. You're sick of waiting on him. You don't think he knows what's right, and you're wondering if God even cares anymore as the flood waters start to rise in your life. Maybe that's the situation you find yourself in, in, in your flood. It's not how you planned your life. It's not how you planned your relationships. It's not how you planned your kids. It's not how you planned your job. It's not how you planned your marriage. It's not how you planned your divorce. It's not how you planned. And the flood waters are rising, and the flood waters are rising, and your faith in God is wavering. And because your faith in God wavers, so does your obedience. And let me tell you this when your faith and obedience line up, God is going to do something amazing. Let God handle the outcome. Our role is to be faithful and obedient, whether we know the details or not. Faithful and obedient. Noah, I will do everything just as God has commanded me. He says that twice in this story of Noah. Not some of the things, and I'll do it a little bit my way, God, and then I'll do it a little bit your way, and I'll do it a little bit my way, because this is a shortcut. No, no, no. Noah says, I will do everything the way God has commanded me. I'll do everything. Listen, some of you are doing it your way a little bit, God's way a little bit and wondering why you're not seeing God move. God will never move until obedience is complete. That's the truth. God will never move until obedience in your life is complete. Not a little you and a little him. All of him, less of you. That doesn't mean perfection, right? And, and so I want you to hear that. Noah, at the end of this story, if you look at it in, in chapter 8, Noah gets drunk. I don't blame him after living with your family and animals in an ark for 40 days. Let's give the guy a little grace. But he wasn't perfect. God's not asking for perfection, friends. God asking for faithfulness. Through faithfulness, he is perfected. Through your obedience, he is perfected. That's what it means. Swing the hammer. If God says do it this way, then do it that way. If God doesn't mean that you have to be perfect, he just means strive in your every being to be faithful and obedient. No matter how long, you, no matter, listen, you may be in day one of your reign or you may be in day 40 of your flood, but guess what? God is still asking you to remain faithful. Don't give up faith. Don't give up obedience. God is working even when the storm is raging 
And salvation seems far enough. God is working. Romans 8.28. And we know that this, all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Friends, you are called according to his purpose. He is going to work out all things for good in your life if you are faithful and you are obedient. That's a promise of scripture. But some of us, it says this, those who are called according to his purpose. Some of us are in this place where the flood is so deep that we've stopped answering the call. And we wonder what God is doing. You see, listen, I'm going to close this real fast here. Noah was savage because he had a faith that led to obedience. He had a faith that led to obedience. What does that look like in your day? Well, what does it look like in my day? It means that I wake up tomorrow morning and I say, God, whatever you ask of me, whatever hammer you want me to swing, whatever tree, gopher tree you want me to cut, I don't even know what gopher tree is, whatever gopher tree you want me to cut down, I'm more about cutting down some mesquite right now because they're making a mess in my yards. Whatever you want me to cut down, God, I'm going to do it and I'm going to trust regardless if I know what's going to the outcome. That's a hard place to be, isn't it? 120 years. And then one day, as in with you, bloop. the raindrops come. The rain starts falling. And Noah looks at his family that God has promised because of Noah. And he's like, guys, it's time. Let's go. And let's be sealed by the atonement, by the pitch of Christ, the pitch of God. So they walk in the ark, close the door, set off on their, like the SS Minnow on their journey. And then one day God opens, says to Noah, hey, open a window. Let me show you something. Because you were faithful, I'm going to show you my promise from this point on. The bird flies out, sound effects. Comes back with a little straw. Noah realizes that God is a God I can trust, but I would have never seen that unless I was faithful and obedient. Maybe some of you don't know if you can trust God this morning. Maybe your water is so high that you're wondering, can I trust him? And because I'm weary in trusting him, my faith in God is gone. And because my faith in God is gone, I really don't feel like being obedient. This morning, let me encourage you this. Simple takeaway. Noah was savage because his faith and obedience was pleasing to God. Today, what would God say about yours? Find the flood in your life, and if you want to know why the water is still rising, check your obedience. Noah did all God commanded. And because he did all God commanded, he was the recipient of God's blessing and promise over his life. Let me tell you, friends, God is not a God who wants to restrict you, and maybe you don't know Jesus at all. Maybe you, this idea of God, and you just showed up here, and it's a safe environment, and it's easy to be a Christian here because we all agree about the same thing, and if not, you'll fake it because you're in this environment, and that's okay. And maybe you don't know God and don't know Jesus, but I'm going to tell you much, this much right now. Jesus has a pitch, atonement, reparation, 
over your life because he wants you to live in his promises. And his promises are for you to prosper, not to harm. That's the promise of God over you. That's the promise of God over Noah. And if that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now. If that's you this morning and you say, yeah, I I have not been obedient to God and I surely don't have a faith in God and Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do a simple thing and just say a quick prayer with me that says this. God, I want to put my faith in you because the waters are high around me and I'm drowning. And I'm going to trust the architect of my life. I give you my life today. Save it through Jesus. That's a simple prayer. And then God's promises are upon you, promises for you to prosper, not to harm. It's just that easy because of God's grace. So, Father, today as we go about our day, as we drive down Scottsdale Road and maybe as the storms, clouds start today, hopefully, maybe we're reminded of Noah's faithfulness. Not just a cute bedtime story, not just two animals going on an ark, but we'll be reminded of a guy who was faithful in spite of culture, in spite of not knowing the details for 120 years. God, may we have that faith today. May we get up. May we get up as that song said. May we get up every day with that faith of saying, God, whatever you command of me, I shall do because I trust you more than I trust me. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you that you're a God who's faithful to his promise. Thank you that as I see a rainbow, I'm reminded of your faithfulness to your promise and your faithfulness through Noah. God, help us today. Help us today have that faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer of any kind, we're going to have some people up here in front praying for you guys. Uh, Have a blessed week. Stay cool and know that you walk in the promise of God today. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much for joining us online. Let me tell you, we are so happy that you have had a chance to to enjoy a worship experience. We pray that it was inspiring to you. Also, if you are new or you would love to be connected to Oasis, please text the word Oasis to the number on the screen. We would love to connect with you. Also, if you have any prayer requests or any prayer needs, please comment below. We would love to continue to pray with you throughout the week. As always, join us next week. Can't wait to see you. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. I really hope God moved in your heart today. And if you're in the Scottsdale area, I'd love for you to come and visit our campus on one of our Sunday services. You can find details to our service times on our website. I also want to thank our faithful givers. By giving towards our podcast, you're able to help us reach people from all over the world for Christ and fulfill the mission of Oasis, which is to love God, love life, and love people. God bless.